Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in, whether it's getting ready for work or cooking, cleaning, driving to work, sitting in the evenings or the middle of the day conference or lunch or something. I sure do appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time. I will try and use it wisely. Those of y'all that continue to share the podcast and to help it to grow, I'm incredibly grateful and humbled by that. And here's one puppy dog. Yeah. No kitty cats yet. And Lord, thank you for the time to do the podcast and the people that listen and share it. And give me the words to speak. Not a whole lot to report other than that the vine borers appear to have gotten most of the winter squash and pumpkins. I'll have to go take a look tomorrow and see. But that's kind of disappointing. So one of the great things about doing this podcast is that I learned so much myself, but it's, it's really shocking at how many things are out there that we just don't know because we don't teach it anymore. And, and so just as soon as you think that, just as soon as you think that something's you know, you kind of start to get to the end. You're not. There's always, always more. And so I was looking for something completely different. And I stumbled across this. This is Dwight Eisenhower, President Eisenhower. 34th President of the United States. We've talked about him a few times. This is from a speech he gave, radio recording actually, from February the 20th, 1955. The founding fathers expressed in words for all to read the ideal of government based upon the dignity of the individual. That ideal previously had existed only in the hearts and minds of men. They produced the timeless documents upon which the nation is round, grounded and has grown great. They recognized God as the author of individual fights. They declared that the purpose of government is to secure those rights. To you and to me, this ideal of government 
is a self-evident truth. But in many lands, the state claims to be the author of human rights. The tragedy of that claim runs through all history and indeed dominates our own times. If the state gives rights, it can and inevitably will take away those rights. There's a couple of quotes bouncing around in my head right now, and I didn't get them, and I can't pull them up right now, but that's a common sentiment issued by many that understood that at some point, when the state starts to take over, the only rights it's going to be concerned with are its own. It's going to have no concern for the rights of, of we the people, of citizens. And I wonder here how many of us today, when he says self-evident truth, understand that our rights come from God. We talk about our rights, we complain about the state taking our rights, but so few people make that next step either Either because we're ignorant of it, which is certainly the case for a number, or because for whatever reason we don't want to go that next step and admit that all of this is built upon the principles of Jesus Christ and faith in God. And I'm really talking about the conservative side right now. We we have this we get to this point, these rights, and we complain, oh, they're taking our rights, taking our rights. But then we either kind of give lip service to the fact that our rights come from God or we just don't mention it at all. It's kind of that, even in people that don't claim this, it's kind of that socially liberal but fiscally conservative mentality. We want our own rights. We want that history and heritage of the United States about individual rights but we don't want to acknowledge that we have to have God involved in order for that to work. I really didn't mean to stop there. Without God, there could be no American form of government, nor any American way of life. Recognition of the Supreme Being is the first, the most basic expression of Americanism. Thus the Founding Fathers saw it, and thus, with God's help, it will continue to be. It is significant, I believe, that the American Legion, an organization of war veterans, has seen fit to conduct a back-to-God movement as part of its Americanism program. Veterans realized, perhaps more clearly than others, the prior place that Almighty God holds in our national life. And they can appreciate, through personal experience, that the really decisive battleground of American freedom is in the hearts and minds of our own people. Now, if I may make a personal observation, you, my fellow citizens, have bestowed upon my associates and myself ordinary men, the honor and the duty of serving you in the administration of your government. More and more we are conscious of the magnitude of that task. 
The path we travel is narrow and long, beset with many dangers. Each day we must ask that Almighty God will set and keep His protecting hand over us, so that we may pass on to those who come after us the heritage of a free people, secure in their God-given rights, and in full control of a government dedicated to the preservation of those rights. I can ask nothing more of each of you, all Americans, than that you join with the American Legion in its present campaign. These were remarks recorded for the Back to God program of the American Legion. And this is actually today, this is coming from the American Presidency Project. So, there's a lot here. I think, well, we'll start here and work our way back up. Every day we must ask that Almighty God will set and keep His protecting hand over us. Go back to, as we do so often, to our first Supreme Court Chief Justice John Jay talking about the right, the duty, the privilege of electing Christians for our leaders. I wonder how many of our leaders today have this mentality. And I have to go back up here. I'm going to come back to this in a minute, but thus the Founding Fathers saw it, and thus with God's help it will continue to be. So this was about seven years after, eight years, after separation of church and state was passed by the Supreme Court, which started to really unravel the fabric of the country, and will continue to do so as long as it's the law of the land. So we had already started to, sadly, go against the statement of Eisenhower's, with God's help it will continue to be. We don't believe as a society and haven't for decades that God is the fundamental source, foundation, building block of our country. And so going back down here now, I wonder how many of our leaders today turn to God each day for help in securing freedom and securing these rights. And I wonder how many of us vote that way. Is that our major concern? Do we follow John Jay's advice and choose our candidate based primarily on their faith in God and Jesus Christ. It's kind of like talking to your children about marriage. Do we tell them that the primary and do we really mean it? Do we do we give more than just lip service? Do we tell them that the primary goal in a spouse has to be 
someone that loves God more than they love you. And then, you know, of course, somebody that loves you more than they love themselves. But it has to be God first. Because if it's not, just like with the country, just like what we see today with uh, LGBTQ, uh, feminism is another good one, abortion, critical race theory, revisionist history, all of these things almost, illegal immigration. If, if the standard's not the same, then we can change it based on whatever political whim suits in the moment. And the only way to have an unchanging standard, whether you're talking about marriage for your kids or as a country, is to ground that in God's commands. And, and as Eisenhower said here, thus the founding fathers saw it. That's what our founding fathers, they, they knew this. We've forgotten it and rejected it, if for those of us that did actually remember it. And I wonder how many of our politicians, too, think of it in these terms that Eisenhower said of bestowing upon ordinary men the honor and the duty of serving you in the administration of your government. And more and more we are conscience, conscience <laughs> of the magnitude of the task. How many of our leaders today see it truly as an honor and a duty, as serving, versus how many of it? Because we've heard some in recent years talk about the idea of, well, I'm just, I'm going to get mine. It's my turn now. How many have that mentality? That we serve them. And who can we blame but ourselves? How do we act in our personal life? Are we, do we honor and respect those around us? Do we serve them? You know, as a husband, do you love and cherish and nourish your wife? As a wife, do you respect and submit to your husband? As children, do we obey and honor our parents? If we can't even get those simple things right in our closest relationships, how in the world can we expect to get them right in our schools and communities, at our state level, at our federal level, and who we vote for? Veterans realize, perhaps more clearly than others, the prior place that Almighty God holds in our national life. And they can appreciate through personal experience. Oh, let me stop here because the last line is really good. So the prior place, uh, I will say that in my brief, and it really is brief, folks, combat experience. It is, it is nothing like World War II or even what my father saw in Vietnam or my pastor that I dearly loved as a boy in Korea, or like a lot of the soldiers and Marines and sailors and airmen saw in the last two wars. 
But in my brief combat experience, the old saying about there's no atheists in foxholes has proven true. You get to that point where you think that you might actually not make it through the day. And <laughs> Other than staying alive, I suppose, and those loved ones that you have at home, there's really not much else on your mind besides what's going to happen after that. At least my limited experience. Let's see how much time we've got left. All right. Talking about veterans again, and they can appreciate through personal experience that the really decisive battleground of American freedom is in the hearts and minds of our own people. That's it, folks. Uh, I've tried to say that not as well on this podcast for a couple years now. If we're going to turn this country around, and I think we have a fight coming, but with or without a fight, it's got to be culture. It's got to be education. If we don't win these, we had that saying when we went overseas for Iraq and Afghanistan, win the hearts and minds. We didn't do a very good job always, but sometimes we did a pretty good job. Sometimes, really more often than not, when we drove into a village, those people were desperate for us to be there, wanted us to be there. We're glad that we were there because we developed relationships with them. Now the time was too short. You can make a lot of different arguments. I won't get into that, but the statement, the hearts and minds, if we don't fundamentally shift the way that we live, our hearts and our minds and our personal lives, our marriages with our children, the way we spend our time that we talk about so often on this podcast, turning back to God and his principles and his commands and what he says is important. doesn't matter. Nothing else we do will matter, folks. We, we could have a war, win the war, and if we did everything else right, perfectly, but we didn't turn back to God, it would all fall apart and we'd be right back here at some point down the road. On the other hand, we can turn back to God, still manage to mess things up because we're human and our country will be better off in the long run than it is today by far exponentially without god there could be no american form of government nor any american way of life recognition of the supreme being is the first the most basic expression of americanism Thus the Founding Fathers saw it, and thus with God's help it will continue to be. We can't have America without God, folks. Eisenhower just said it, it's that simple. That's the bottom line. There is no America without God. Talking about God the Father of Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and here's how we know that. Just one of almost unnumerable, numerable. The general principles upon which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. John Adams, second president. If we don't have God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit at the center of our public and personal lives in America. We no longer have America, and that's where we're going. 
We can fix it. We can turn around, folks. We can still turn this around. But it has to be fundamental shifts. We've got to make some major, major changes in the way we live our personal lives, the way we vote, the way we interact with others. And our country as far as public policy, education, institutions. It's got to go back to God being, as Eisenhower said, the veterans understood the primary Almighty God. That's got to be the central, as our founding fathers talked about. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.